What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Real Deal Podcast. If you're new here, my name is Antonio Moreno, and on today's episode, I'm going to be doing a preview of the Super Bowl and also of the March Madness games, which will be coming up shortly, and we're going to do a little bit of college basketball preview um, for what's to come. Uh, in the previous episodes, make sure to check those out. Uh, I released some episodes talking about my faith journey, um, so make sure to listen that there's going to be more episodes coming out also in the future in terms of uh, airline uh, the airline industry and some of the things that are going on there and there's going to be more faith-based episodes as well as new guests so make sure to follow the instagram the underscore uh, uh, the real deal underscore 360 uh, and uh, you could get all the updates there i want to welcome in gunner shoemaker my good friend here who's going to help us out and uh, give a little preview of what we're going to expect here from the Super Bowl and uh, and what the college basketball season has been looking like so far. Gunnar, great to have you back on the podcast. Great to be back. It's been about probably 11 months to a year. Uh, last time I was on, I believe we were talking about March Madness from last year, mm -hmm. which was an exciting tournament. Now we're doing the Super Bowl preview and another March Madness preview, so I'm looking forward to it. It's great to be back. I've been listening to a ton of the episodes recently, and they've been awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And I know you are a regular listener of the podcast and I love the support you give me. Uh, so that is awesome. So I really, really do appreciate that. Um, so let's go ahead and get started here with the Super Bowl. Obviously, we got the 49ers, San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think that it was fair to say that uh, this particular season, um, it was pretty open in the playoffs. I got the sensation that, I don't know about yourself, but I got the sensation that there was really a number of teams that could have actually made it deep. We even saw teams like the Texans in it. I think that people weren't expecting CJ Stroud to be as good as he was this year. Um, he's been phenomenal. Um, obviously the Eagles getting dropped out early by the Buccaneers uh, was maybe shocking to some, but certainly if you've been watching the NFL, certainly over the last, I'd say month and a half, second half of the season, uh, the Eagles haven't been great. Uh, so they were knocked out. Obviously, the Bills, again, missing the field goal against Kansas City. They weren't able to go through once again. Uh, they seem to have some sort of mental block or curse going on where they cannot uh, get anything going in the playoffs, at least in terms of recent years. Uh, but what are your thoughts overall on how we got here to this place, uh, to these two teams in the Super Bowl? And, and what do you expect from this game? Well, as you said, it seemed pretty wide open. But with these final two teams, I think we realized that was always going to be one of the top few teams. Um, we saw a glimmer of hope where NFC Championship, we saw the uh, the Lions, Detroit Lions leading and then unfortunately choking that away. And then I really had faith in Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to somehow take care of the Chiefs. That didn't happen. So we do have some of the projected top five teams in the Super Bowl, which isn't all bad because it will be a good, talented game from both sides. Um, but I expect it to be good. I expect maybe not as much offense as people are thinking. I think they can both go pretty stagnant, especially with these good defensive uh, secondaries, defensive lines, linebackers, etc. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and obviously you mentioned the Lions, which was a big shocker to, I think, everyone how well they were this year. Now, we've seen them progress over the last couple of years, obviously, I think they went like three and 14 or something like that two years ago. Then last year, I think they went nine and eight this year. Obviously they had a very favorable record. I think they went 12 and five. 
so they've improved tremendously and it was great to see them in, especially after, um, what is it? 30 years approximately that they didn't make the playoffs uh, and they hadn't even won a playoff game. So that's very impressive in and of itself that the, the fact that they made the NFC championship game. Um, but in order to, I think, get to the Super Bowl, you have to have obviously good offense, good defense. Certainly you have to have your star players show up. Obviously, Brock Purdy has done that. Uh, McCaffrey's done that as well for the 49ers. And then you look over at the Chiefs, obviously, Kelsey taking the headlines with the Taylor Swift news story, which has been pretty much the talk of the town over the last couple of weeks. And Patrick Mahomes doing what he does, which is performing under pressure. Now, this Chiefs team, I don't think is as strong as last year's Chiefs team was. I think if there's a year where the 49ers can really do something here in the Super Bowl, it'd be this year. I don't think they have the consistency that they had last year, certainly in terms of results. I think they're more prone to mistake. I think they're also not as great of a receiving team as they were last year. We've been seeing this season really from even the first game where they lost to the Detroit Lions, uh, where they have not been able to make uh, some pretty, I would say, open and, and pretty easy receptions in certain games. Um, and I think that could certainly be a factor depending on how good the receivers are. And then um, uh, the linebackers for San Francisco certainly could be uh, a point of, of, of interest and, and how well is that matchup going to go. I think you got to look at certainly how Mahomes and Kelsey are going to link up and then look at obviously that Brock Purdy McCaffrey um, lineup. Uh, but but I think that those are kind of some of the big points that come to mind for me. I don't know if what comes to mind for you uh, in terms of what you think could be uh, the, the determining factors for this game. Uh, I'd, I'd agree with you about the whole Kansas City with their wide receivers. I think they're going to be very Travis Kelsey dependent. Um, and that can come back to bite them if, if the uh, 49ers linebackers, Fred Warner, even defensive ends, Chase Claypool, who can play pass coverage, um, try and or basically just lock him up or double team him the whole game because then Mahomes has to put into the hands of either his running back or his receivers. His receivers have been known to drop balls this year. They've been known to not be as dependent as years past when he had Tyreek Hill. He had all these guys. Um, but on the flip side, Chiefs defense isn't all bad either. They've they've done pretty well. In years past, the Chiefs, their their weakness has been their defense. This year, I think, at the beginning of the season, was their offense somewhat. Just because of the lack of wide receiver play, they were dependent on their defense starting out. Their defense has remained good throughout the season. Therefore, I believe if – Brock Purdy somehow gets rattled from all the pressure or he just can't make his basic plays to McCaffrey and Samuel and Kittle like he has been uh, throughout the year, that it could be a long game for him as well. I think the keys for each game to or for each team to win the game, Chiefs need to, one, have their defense hold strong, two, ha get Kelsey open, and three, have their receivers make one or two of those big plays that keep them in it. The keys for the 49ers would be, Lock down Travis Kelsey mm -hmm. because he's the best source of offense from that team. And also just do what they've been doing all year with their offense with McCaffrey averaging over one and a half touchdowns for the past few games. You get it in his hands and they start guarding him. You can get it to Debo. You can get it George Kittle in the end zone. Great red zone threat. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty good game. I'm hoping the 49ers win. I think it's surprising that the Chiefs aren't favored. But I think it's pretty evenly matched when it comes down to it. 
Yeah, what do you have right now for the the spread in terms of the the odds and sort of the where the where the betting is is going right now at this moment? Obviously, it's uh, still a day and a half before the Super Bowl, so that's obviously going to change probably. But uh, what do you got for those? The spread is still standing at one and a half, favoring San Francisco. Um, I would say the betting odds. If, I think the biggest bet that could have the best pay would be predicting the MVP of the game. Um, because it's known as a quarterback award. Mahomes has the best odds. He's still plus money, though. Um, but I think it could come down to the tight ends, either uh, Kelsey at plus 1,700 or even Kittle at plus 7,000. If it's a stagnant, low-scoring game and Purdy makes mistakes, he gives up a fumble, he throws a pick, but say the game-winning touchdown or the game-winning two-point conversion is caught by Travis Kelsey, I think he's a shoe in the winning. Yes, if if there's a big play at the end, one of those two Kittle catches that, and same same way with Mahomes. Say Travis Kelsey catches that, it would be a shoe in for him as well. Yes, I agree that that could definitely be a factor, especially if there's one of those sort of big plays late in the game in the four in the fourth quarter. Right now, what do you have for uh, the uh, the over under in terms of the score? The over unders at forty seven and a half, not terribly high. Not very high, correct. Yeah, yeah. last year was in the 50s, wasn't it? In the 50s, yeah, last year? I think it was 52 and a half when we looked at it last year. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a 27 21 game, 27 24, 24 21, somewhere right around there. Vegas is usually pretty good at predicting what it's going to be around. Mm-hmm. You have those cases in the Super Bowl, though, where teams do get blown out and they score a huge amount of points. We've seen that where the Broncos blew out, I believe it was the Panthers. I think it was the Panthers, yes. seen it where uh, in years past the Patriots beat the Rams and no one scored a touchdown. It was all field goals. Yes, it was. Yeah, and the final score I think was 13-3 in that game, right? It was 13-3, I think, yeah. That game was very low scoring. I I, I agree. I, th- I would say I would expect this. I could even see based on how Kansas City's defense has been, because that is one of their strong suits, as you mentioned, that we could even have some sort of a like high teens game. I mean, it could be one of these 21, even 17, or one of these 19, 16, 19, 15. Uh, certainly if if both the, the both of the defenses are up to par and up to the level that I think people would expect, I could even see an even lower uh, scoring game than the uh, than a twenty than in the twenties. I think it's possible in the twenties, but I think you're going to need to have your wide receivers on point. Obviously, the two quarterbacks are going to have to uh, excel, and certainly we're going to have to see more from Mahomes than what we saw in the Baltimore Ravens game, um, because uh, the Ravens, I think, definitely because of their penalties that they took. Also, I think some of their play calls were. I think not not correct and certainly not adequate for the moment of the game that they were trying to make those plays, I think ultimately affected them. I think that was a winnable game for the Baltimore Ravens. Yes, the Chiefs defense were great and they came up when they needed to. So that is the thing they have going for them as well as Patrick Mahomes. Because if you don't have obviously your quarterback on their best day, you're going to need your defense to play outstanding and they did. Uh, and if we look at the other flip side of the coin with Brock Purdy, one of the biggest things I'm seeing in terms of what the punditry side is talking about, and I've been reading articles uh, from, from many of the uh, news anchors uh, and certainly the sports uh, sports news, ESPN, CBS Sports, uh, and pretty much the talk of the town is that uh, Brock Purdy's experience, is he going to be able to cope with this sort of environment? 
Obviously, it's a rematch from three years ago when the Chiefs beat the 49ers here at the Hard Rock in Miami. Uh, is he going to be able to cope with the experience? How is that going to go? He's very young. Um, obviously, he's very talented. He's got a great squad behind him uh, to to work with. But is he going to be able to cope with that pressure? Uh, is he going to be able to come up with the big play when it matters? The other thing is for San Francisco, they have tended, or at least the trend has been that they have played better when they are in the lead. Uh, San Francisco is a team that likes to play with the lead. And, I mean, I have to say the Lions game was probably one of those exceptions where – if look, if you're gonna win the Super Bowl, there's gonna be probably at some point you're gonna face adversity. You're gonna have to come from behind. You're gonna have to make plays late in the game. You're gonna have to play risky. Uh, you might have to take chances. They did that, and they were able to get past the Detroit Lions. So credit to the 49ers uh, and the way they won that game. However, I think in the Super Bowl they don't want to be in that same position. I think if you're the 49ers, it behooves you to be in the lead much more than Kansas City. I think Kansas City knows that as long as they keep it close, they don't necessarily have to be in the lead at the half uh, to 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 be right in it to to win the football game. I think certainly it's a must for the 49ers to either keep this close or have a lead ha at halftime and certainly in the third quarter um, to play with uh, in order to go and win this thing. I'd agree with uh, your points on that, saying that Chiefs don't necessarily have to have the lead to be able to get the win, and the 49ers would much rather play with a lead. And I think that does come down to the quarterback play, just knowing which guy can make more plays. Like, if you ask anyone, they're going to honestly say it's Mahomes. Um, Purdy has a great squad around him. Some people say that bails him out sometimes. I think you still have to have, to have a good guy throwing the ball. I think he is good at throwing the ball. I think he's good at his decision-making. Um, you're not going to get the huge downfield bombs with him, but you, you are going to get one or two throughout the game that might uh, open up the Chiefs' defense and show where they're lacking, which would be able to then let you do some short passes across the middle, either to Kittle or to Samuel, or even just uh, like a halfback toss to McCaffrey while the defense is playing back expecting another bomb. So it all comes down to, I think, the 49ers need their defense needs to stand early to hold a lead mm. because if they get behind the Chiefs by 10 points or even seven, it could be a long day. Yeah. Yeah. If, especially if it's in the first quarter. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if it's in the first quarter. And I agree. I think that um, definitely behooves them to play with the lead. And certainly, I think we're going to have to see what Brock Purdy is able to do in terms of big plays. And as you said, it, whenever that big play does happen, if it's one of those 30, 35, 40-yard passes that we get in the game, then that they really need to take advantage of that. I mean, when, when you make a play like that in a Super Bowl, you have to score on that play. I mean, at, typically in these games, whenever I see teams that end up having that sort of play where it's a 30, 40, 50-yard pass down the field and everyone gets hyped up, excited, they're going to score – they don't score, they typically end up losing the Super Bowl. And oftentimes in these close games, which most of them uh, have a tendency to be close, that can be a determining outcome. So I think that's something that we need to keep in mind. Now, I also want to mention that uh, coming into this season, um, I was certainly expecting in terms of who could potentially get to the Super Bowl um, was uh, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, after what they've done the last couple of seasons, I really thought they were going to be much more of a threat uh, this season. 
So I was surprised that they didn't make it into the playoffs. Obviously, the Lions, we mentioned, surprised a lot of people how good they've been. But uh, certainly, Jared Goff has, um, I think, uh, upped his level this season. And I think we're going to ex- uh, expect more of that in, in, in next season uh, and what the Lions could do. Uh, I also think that C.J. Stroud for the Texans this year, I was really impressed with him. Uh, I think that uh, looking into the playoffs, many people didn't really see them as a potential threat. Obviously, the Cowboys, once again, were a big letdown for people. And and Dak Prescott, again, another big stage game and just the inability to perform at the highest level. Uh, He's a good quarterback, but he needs to do more if he wants to start being considered as a great quarterback, in, in my opinion. Uh, and, and I think the Cowboys are lacking, I think, whether it's mental toughness, whether it's experience, I mean, I don't know, because this is a recurring theme at this point every year. So obviously for Cowboys fans, not the greatest news Eagles fans. I think you're allowed to have a year like this where maybe you make the playoffs, but you kind of are in a rut at the end of the season. They've had recent success. They won the Super Bowl obviously some years ago against the, the, the Patriots, and and last year they went to the Super Bowl and lost to Mahomes. So I, I don't think you can complain much if you're an Eagles fan. I think you kind of saw that the team was running out of gas heading into the playoffs, and it showed against the Buccaneers. Uh, and so I think that that loss was a pretty fair, I think, assessment of what their season was. Good enough to make it into the playoffs, but based on their second half of the season performance, not good enough to really make any sort of threat into the Super Bowl. And then we look at the two teams left. I think, as you said, Definitely probably two of the top teams that people would have picked to make it to the Super Bowl. I just think that the way they got to the Super Bowl was maybe not expected. And certainly with so many other teams, I mean, I think who was the team that had the top record this year? I mean, I, because I think the, the top record was maybe the the Ravens who had yeah, I, 13 I or something, 14 or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah and, and they the had the behind them. The 49ers. Yeah. And what do you know what their record was? Oh, uh, I can find it for you real quick. I think they were 13 and 4, 12 and 5. That that was a I'm not, the 13 and 12 yeah, was pretty standard coming into the playoffs this year. Yeah, I'm not gonna count the um playoffs. Um 49ers finished 12 and 5. Mm. And the Ravens up to the AFC championship had finished 13 and four. 13 and 13. Chiefs and 11 and six. There you go. So, I mean, it's not like the teams were coming in. There was one clear favorite that was like 15 and one. Certainly, obviously, the Chiefs didn't have the season they had last year. So, wide open in terms of certainly, I think there was more possibilities of having a team like the Lions get to the championship game. Uh, or or even um, a team like the Texans doing what, what they did. Certainly the Buccaneers, I think, surprised a lot of people. Just the fact that they got past the Eagles, um, even though the Eagles were in the form they were, but that was, again, still impressive. Um, Baker Mayfield actually played quite well. Um, and I think that definitely was a more entertaining playoffs. But I think getting down to it, probably defensively Kansas City uh, and San Francisco have probably the best defenses in the league, if not one of the best defenses in the league for, for each team. And then obviously the quarterbacks and 
I think we need to give a lot of credit here to, to to Brock Purdy. Just the fact that he there was that loss I remember in the middle of the season. I forget who it was against, but there was that loss. That after that loss, I think it was on week five, week six. A lot of people writ him off. They started to write him off, and they they really thought, well, if this is what we expected. He's going to be maybe you know good the first couple of weeks, and now against some of these bigger opponents, he's going to fumble. Give him credit. I mean, he didn't. I mean, he picked himself up after that, um, led the 49ers to a great season, and now they got a chance to win the Super Bowl. So I think it'll be an interesting uh, game. But any other thoughts on on the playoffs or, or what you would say in terms of the teams? I think it was an entertaining playoffs overall. There was a lot of parity when it came to teams you didn't really expect. Um, but I think this is a good matchup for the Super Bowl that's going to showcase two good groups of talent against each other. So hopefully it ends up being a good game. I hope it's not a blowout. I hope it's highly contested back and forth. But we'll see what happens tomorrow night. For sure. And uh, and what would you say on terms of the bets? Because I know last year you obviously won the Gatorade bet with uh, the color being purple. And obviously there was the Chris Stapleton a bet with the national anthem, how long that was going to last. Did you see any of those around? Um, so I saw one for the national anthem. I saw the Gatorade. I think the one with the least likely odds was clear at plus 600, which is kind of a bad price, I feel, since I got purple at plus 1,200. Um, but I would say the two best bets that I've found that I'm not sure if they're available everywhere is the Kittle MVP plus 7,000. Payoff, mm-hmm. and um, there's one I saw. I think it was each team to have a touchdown and a field goal in either each quarter or each half, mm-hmm. and I that was like plus twenty five hundred. So I would just go with that. You can do these. You can do these. Um, like one in a million chance ones where it's like first uh kick the opening kickoff to be returned for a touchdown. You can do that. You can do – I'm sure they have some uh, other specialty or exotic props, as they call them. But um, I would say just stick with the MVP. You can do some of the over-under point spread. I think it's going to be a pretty standard game. But I think, like we said, if people can make some big plays later on and the quarterback play is subpar, that either the tight ends or these running backs or receivers can end up uh, winning the MVP. Yeah, I think those would be I think those would be great bets and uh, certainly if you bet on any of those other ones certainly let me know how those how those go. Uh but yeah, I mean it's it's probably the biggest if not one of the biggest uh, betting events of the year. Uh, obviously the commercials, we're going to see how that goes. Um, the halftime uh, show and the who's doing the halftime show and and the the national anthem? National anthem is uh Reba McIntyre, halftime is Usher. So oh, Okay. Should be pretty entertaining. Yes, I'm sure. I mean, it's around a five-hour event, so you're gonna get your money's worth. Yeah, you're gonna get your money's worth because it starts what at around six thirty, right? Is uh, it'll it'll probably go to eleven, eleven thirty. You know, the closing ceremony will probably end at midnight. So. Yeah, that's probably what I would what I would expect. So be sure to check out the Super Bowl, guys, and it's it's on what is it on Fox, right, or is it CBS? I I think it's Fox. Yeah, I think it's Fox. Okay. So on Fox tomorrow, Super Bowl, make sure to check it out. Uh, it's going to be really entertaining. Now, going on towards your back. Yes. Let me check for you real quick. Double check, double check. Double check to make yeah. sure. Get our things right. That's what, I've, that's what I've heard. Um, it's on CBS. It is CBS. 
Yes, really? Yep. yep. Because I remember, I think Fox had it last year. I think Fox, or was it NBC? Who was it? Didn't NBC have? Well, that was maybe years ago when they had the rights to the, the Super Bowl. But Fox had a bunch of the playoffs leading up to this, so maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gave it, okay. But, yep. Yeah, 630. CBS 630 will be the Super Bowl. Uh, so be sure to tune in for that tomorrow. Now, going on to college basketball. Obviously, we got March Madness coming up in about, I'd say, a month. Uh, so certainly in the latter half of the season at this point. If we look at the AP Top 25, um, I think some of the standout teams, obviously no surprise with UConn being number one. They are the defending national champions. Uh, and then you have Purdue, North Carolina, Kansas, and Houston in, in, in the top five. Some of the other notable teams down in the list, uh, I think you would include uh, Tennessee, Arizona, Marquette, uh, Duke. Uh, then you have Baylor, who won it a couple years ago. Uh, Alabama and Kentucky at 16 and 17. And then we have uh, FAU who had that terrific run last year to the final four. And then you have San Diego uh, state at 24. So what are your thoughts so far based on what you've seen and, and, and what can we expect in terms of the conference championship matchups, uh, which are going to be at the beginning of March here before the tournament? I think it's going to be a, uh, I know they say this every year. I think it can be a wide open tournament. I think there's a lot of good teams, even in lower tier conferences, that can uh, make some noise. I think um, you do have those teams that you can obviously see winning it all, the UConns, the UNCs, the Kansas. And then you have those frauds that are still near the top. you got the Purdue's, you got the Houston, <laughs> the Seas. They're always going to look like they're the top dog and then somehow lose to a 12 seed. Um, or Purdue versus a 15 seed. <laughs> yeah, or 16 last year. Actually, but, wasn't um, it a 16? Was it a 16 last year? Barely Dickinson last year. <laughs> that was unbelievable. Uh, but I think it's a pretty open tournament. There's a lot of lower-tier conferences that have good players and good teams. Uh, my team, one of my teams that I'm with, UNC Wilmington, they've done astonishing this year. They're in first in the CAA, just went to the game the other night. They were in second place, playing number one Drexel, blew them out by 19. They swept Charleston this year, their arch rival, uh, led by lead scorer Trezarian White. He's averaging 30 a game. And then they also have uh, high-level transfers from power conferences. Uh, one guy from New Mexico, KJ Jenkins, hit seven threes the other night. Mm-hmm. So they're a very solid team as well. Beat Kentucky at Kentucky earlier in the season. Um, and then you even got other teams in other conferences. You got Dayton, who's a good team. A little lower tier conference in the A10. They're 18 and three right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can always make some noise. They always have good guys, somewhat. Um, and even your team, Villanova. I know they've been up and down this year. I don't know if they're on bubble watch or not, but they've they've lost to teams and then they've beaten really good teams. So there's a lot of parity. Um, yes. But I want to hear what you're most excited for. Yeah, what I'm excited for, well, obviously you mentioned Villanova. Obviously, I lived up in Pennsylvania for three years uh, near them. So, and I even toured their campus. My father was a professor there uh, for a number of years. So I always have loved Villanova. I was very happy when they won those two national championships in 2016 and 2018. Um, And I'm kind of seeing what you're saying. They've kind of beaten some, they've beaten some teams and then they've lost to other teams. I mean, their record, right? They're ninth in the Big East right now. Um, and they are currently 
12 and 11 overall. So they're obviously going to need to improve if they're going to want to really have a say in getting into the they tournament. want to make the tournament, they're going to have to win the Big East Conference tournament because yeah. you all get an automatic bid for winning it. Um, but yeah, with at 12 and 11, it's going to be difficult unless they go on a winning streak here and somehow beat some pretty big teams. But I, I like seeing Villanova in it. I think they're good for college basketball. I know people wouldn't consider them a blue blood, but they're a pretty nationally prominent team. I would agree. They're pretty nationally recognized and certainly become a staple of the tournament in, in the last decade. Um, so it was it was definitely surprising last year when they they weren't in it. Um, but uh, but obviously, you know, you have these sort of transition uh, moments in, in teams where you kind of have the, the core group that wins those titles. And then you sort of have to have a new transition period with new people coming in. So it's just part of, I think, the the natural cycle of how just team management and 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 team players come in and out and 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 go. So hopefully they can get something going. Obviously they got UConn and Marquette in their um in their conference, which is not an easy feat by any means, and they're probably the two favorite teams to make it to the tournament. Um, but what I would say is what I'm excited for is I I love the upsets. Certainly this year in the bracket, I last year in the bracket. I put a number of upsets. Well, this year I'm going to put even more upsets in the bracket. I just think this tournament's become so unpredictable. Um, literally yesterday, Nevada beat San Diego State. Uh, I'm seeing here on ESPN, uh, 70 to 66. And VCU, um, who I believe is not even in the top 25. No, they're not. Um, VCU uh, beat yesterday uh, Dayton, who's 18 in the top 25, 49 to 47. So, I mean, yeah. it's. <laughs> it, it's pretty much a I think more and more just almost a toss-up between some of these games uh, and the matchups obviously we'll see when they get uh, made and we have to do the brackets but for me but for me uh, what I'm looking forward to the most uh, would be probably in terms of the top 25 at least uh, I, I think Purdue as I would agree I, I wouldn't count and put my money on them they just have been too unpredictable um, the surprising uh, I think team missing here is Gonzaga, not even in the top 25. Uh, they had, I think, their moment with Drew Timmy. I think their window passed, uh, and I think that has become evident. Uh, they're not even in the top 25, and they're um, not. I knew we spoke earlier uh, this week about it, and as you told me, they're behind uh, St. Mary's in, in their conference, so they're not even first in their conference. So Gonzaga being out, I think, is certainly a huge loss for college basketball and, and certainly – surprising obviously things might change but you know certainly now at this point late in the season it's going to be difficult to really uh unless they make some noise i think late in the season and go on a streak and 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 obviously win their their conference uh it's going to be difficult for them to get in the tournament uh marquette a lot of people are on the marquette train last year i like them i i still would pick them as a dark horse arizona i know they've previously been number one seed uh, for uh, for March Madness in, in a couple of the previous seasons. They're number eight right now. Duke is always either they're going to be great and make it deep or they're going to get knocked out early. I mean, there's no in between. So Duke is pretty much, if you pick Duke, you better hope that they win their first or second, their first two games because uh, otherwise you're, you're in for some tough luck. Uh, I think if we look at Baylor, won the national championship a few years ago, um, they're sixth. Uh, 16 and five out of the big 12 conference right now, number 13, the AP standings. I, I think Baylor right now, probably one of those teams. I, I'd, I'd still 
probably prefer Marquette over them, but I would still say potentially a dark horse team. Uh, I'm looking at Alabama and Kentucky. They're, I think, staples in the tournament. I don't think they're going to be influential enough probably to 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 go all the way. I know Kentucky won the national championship uh, back in the 2013, 14, around then. So almost a decade ago, around a decade ago. Uh, Dayton, as you mentioned, I haven't heard much about them, but um, I'm just seeing their results here and uh, what they've been able to accomplish. Uh, they've beaten some good teams in Atlantic 10 Conference. Uh, they have a very good record of 18 and 3. They could maybe be uh, an influence in, in the tournament. And obviously, FAU, they're, just the fact they're in the top 25, I think, is really impressive uh, for an American athletic team to be in it. Uh, 18 and four, obviously they had that magical run last year. Nobody expected them to reach the final four. And then you have, I think teams that I, I would, I'm pretty surprised that Texas tech is as low as they are. San Diego state, not as much. I think just because of the conference they're coming out of in the mountain West, which is maybe not one of the strongest conferences, but they're still up in there. Texas tech though. I'm pretty surprised they're low. Uh, at, they're that low at 23 out, out of the, out of the big 12. I'd have to look actually what they're their record is uh and then the other name here i recognize is creighton from last year uh where i remember that was kind of a team we were talking about where you know either they're going to show up or they're not um obviously they didn't i had my money on them uh, you didn't and uh, you were absolutely correct to not let them go through in your bracket because they blew it in that game they lost uh, so, so I'm probably it's all, it's all right. it, it, <laughs> if, if you remember in the first round, I had Colgate blown out Texas, so that didn't go too well either. So, <laughs> we, we were pretty even. I was brushing my teeth with Colgate that whole week, and they ended up losing by 20. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't take it too too personal. I also had Kent State, I think, going to the Elite Eight. They, they got blown out in the first round. So it, it, that's true. It, it's, it's yeah, Colgate, Colgate, what conference are they in? And uh, are they? I mean, I'm not they're, telling you in the top 25. They're in the, they're in the Patriot League. I remember last year, it was because um, I talked about their three-point shooting. They led the nation. This year, they're still shooting threes, not as much. Um, may not be as big of a factor as they were last year. I mean, they weren't really a factor last year at all. But um, they, they were still – they had a lot of hype going into the tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they did. And I'm just looking here at Creighton's record. They're 16 and 7. They're in the Big East. So and they're they're in the same conference with uh, Villanova as we mentioned. You also have Xavier who was in it last year. Uh Seton Hall uh is also in that conference. You have Marquette and then Yukon. And I'm just looking here at some of their past results and some of the the, the teams that they've they've played. Uh they lost to Yukon pretty handily, uh, which I think is expected. But I'd say they've pretty much beaten almost everyone else, uh, although ironically enough, they have lost their last two games against Providence, which was very high scoring, and against Butler, which was ridiculously high scoring. That was 99 and 98. Um, and then I'm looking here at uh, some of the other games they played. They beat Providence. Uh, they beat Seton Hall, beaten Georgetown, uh, UNLV. They beat Alabama, which is impressive because Alabama is currently seated higher than them. They're a 16 seed. Uh, they also beat Nebraska, Oklahoma State, Colorado State, Loyola, uh, Texas Southern. They beat Iowa earlier in the season, who's obviously in it last year. So they've beaten some good teams, but I think certainly if we're talking about can they compete with the top, top teams, probably not. But perhaps they could do something in this tournament better than they did last year, certainly. 
any final thoughts that you would like to add in terms of uh, of what teams or any surprise teams you'd expect? I'm going to say if UNC Wilmington ends up in your bracket, they're going to the second round. Hmm. They're going to the second round. I saw who they're projected to play. I saw a projected matchup against Duke. I saw a projected matchup against even, say, Purdue or um, I think it was Alabama or some someone of higher status. If you see them in the bracket, you see them at a, as a 13 or a 14 or a 15. They won't be a 16. 15, and they're against that too, send them past the two. Take them. What's the, the date today? Today February is February 10th. I'm saying February 10th. February. <laughs> you see them, send them through. Mark my words. Mark it down today. I'm gonna I'm gonna very much keep that in mind. And if I see that matchup, I will be picking them. <laughs> I will be picking them for sure. Any other teams that you think maybe could uh, could surprise us heading into these last few weeks of the regular season? Uh I do like Seton Hall a lot. They've beat UConn. Um, they've beat other big teams. And I'm always going to be a fan of St. Mary's. I love St. Mary's in the tournament. Tournament is always usually around Easter or during Lent. St. Mary's has the good luck. Don't bet against <laughs> St. They're always um, good. They're always in it. I would say my surprise team, Seton Hall, UNC, Wilmington, obviously, St. Mary's. And I'll I'll say – let me give one more. I'll say I think Arizona can be a national championship Final Four team. Hmm. And they're currently number eight right now to the Pacific 12, right. 17 and five. Yep. They could definitely be in it. They're in that same position as Marquette. I think maybe one of those outsiders most people maybe wouldn't look at, but certainly possible. I agree with you. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. It was awesome to have you on. And I look forward to speaking with you next time about uh, what to expect with uh, March Madness coming up here. Awesome to be back. Looking forward to the Super Bowl tomorrow night. Looking forward to March Madness. We'll probably even talk a little baseball coming up. Yes, so, sir. We got March. We got that coming up. Yeah, the spring it's training. Great time for sports. Great to be back. Love the pod. Listen to every episode. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Thank you coming uh, for coming on, Gunner. Guys, make sure to tune into the other episodes if you haven't had a chance. Follow the Instagram, and uh, we will see you on the next episode. Make sure to watch the Super Bowl and keep an eye out for those conference championships later this month at the beginning of March. We'll see you in the next one. Peace.